welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 55. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all of the socials at flores.run. Uh, today, we have a, a guest that's well-versed at a topic that I've been wanting to go over for a while now. Um, you guys know kind of my backstory with nutrition and dieting and all of those weird things, but I, I kind of wanted to talk to someone that knew what the hell they were talking about, because obviously I'm just making shit up as I go. Um, and through the luck of, of this new, like, uh, I'll call it a guest finding uh, platform for podcasts, I, I came across Katie. And then we were talking about before I started recording is I just basically harass people until they want to be on the show. Like, hey, come on, don't you want to talk to the stranger? But uh, Katie is a nutrition and health coach with a newly released course called the Nourish to Flourish Framework. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I love the, the guest finder. It was actually amazing because I had just set up my profile. I was like, this is amazing. And then there you were. And I was like, yes, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about diet culture. Yeah, so was, thank it, you so it, much for having me. Yeah, of course. There was the... Um, seeing the that little platform i think it was just like an instagram ad is where i found it initially and i was just yeah. like i was like yeah i'll join it here take my email again you already uh, you guys know everything i'm doing on my computer anyway so just spy on me some more um but tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we jump in today yeah definitely so you had it right i'm a holistic nutrition and health coach and i essentially help women reimagine their relationships with food i help educate about how the metabolism works I help them stay in the fat burning zone, increase their energy and decrease stress without having to get rid of all the foods that you love. So I take a biopsychosocial approach to health, which just means that instead of just focusing on the food and the exercise, I'm incorporating all the other things that are going on in your life. So your environment, your sleep, your stress, all of the things that can actually go into being uh, having well-being. And I help them find a sustainable way that works for their lifestyle and their bodies instead of just subscribing to diet culture and fads, which we're going to talk all about today. Yeah. And I think you hit a, a perfect term there that kind of explains at least my understanding of the, the diet culture and that sort of thing. You talked about like sustainable health and well-being in your life. And so obviously the topic, we've said it a few times, we're going to be talking about diet culture today. And when I saw Katie's Instagram, she had brought up... Um, started bringing up this diet culture uh, topic and it was something that a lot of people I don't think realize um, of how big of an issue it is and, and it's on everyone's mind right now obviously in this like resolution time of year you know in, in the beginning yeah. of the year people are like I'm gonna eat better or I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna go on this diet or do this cleanse or do these whatever these things are we kind of uh, get wrapped up in that thought so probably to like set the stage for all of this, how would you define like what diet culture is? Yeah, that's a really great place to start. And you kind of nailed it on the head too. Like it's oftentimes you don't even realize that there's a diet culture going on unless you specifically work in the health and fitness space. But when New Year's rolls around, that's really when it becomes apparent because there are so many companies and brands and products that are pushing these ideas that are you know, exacerbating what's going on in the diet culture. So just a little diet culture 101. It's it's essentially a system of beliefs, beliefs that equates being thin to being healthy. It promotes extreme weight loss as a status symbol. 
it oppresses people who don't fit this ideal image of quote unquote healthy. If you're not watching the video, I'm going to use a lot of quote unquotes <laughs> and I'll say it while I'm, while I'm saying it too. Um, and it demonizes certain foods or ways of eating that often changes year by year. So, you know, one year it's don't eat any fat, you know, and one year it's eat all the avocados and it's, it's ever changing. And that's why sometimes you don't even realize that it's happening. You're just getting these ads and you have, you know, influencers and celebrities promoting different things and it's constantly changing. And from a marketing sense, I mean, diet culture is designed to promote things that are super restrictive and have a lot of rules that ultimately lead you to fail and find other quote unquote solutions, right? And it keeps you coming back for the latest fad. And it's it's always, you can kind of see it with the quick fixes or ways for you to achieve the optimum health if you just take this tea or this pill. And it's it's important to talk about, you nailed it too, like, it's not sustainable for the long term. A lot of the time, this diet culture is all about what's going to help you right now to lose 20 pounds, that kind of language that isn't sustainable in the long term. And this diet culture, now that we kind of discussed what it is and what it looks like, you probably will notice it more with the language that brands are using or the specific products that they're promoting. It's designed to keep you coming back again and again. Right. And I think it's interesting. You talked about like the marketing side or like the influencer stuff like that. We're obviously living in an age. I mean, we do it ourselves. We can, we're influencers to our own brands. We have our own brands. We're trying to promote our own brands. We're doing our own thing. So, so we, we get that aspect of it, but you can see how damaging it can be when people are kind of giving this thing of like, oh, I want to look like this person. This person is doing this specific thing. So therefore, I, if I want to look like that, I need to do that. Like I need totally. to do exactly what they're doing. I need to eat the way they're eating. And it's funny you bring up too of like every year it's something new. Like I remember Adkins, it was just like no carbs. You do not eat any, if you, if you eat a slice of bread, I tell you, that is going <laughs> you to be, die. The end you of, eat bread, you die. obviously, yeah. didn't that guy die or didn't he have like high blood pressure? Didn't he like something happened to him, right? Because he didn't eat enough carbs. I don't know. It's, that's the thing. Like I try to, to not with the diet culture. And I think, you know, it's important to talk about too, like, uh, it's especially hard on women. Like, I think we can pretty much agree with that. Like we're constantly being told like what our bodies should look like, what our hair should look like, all that. And so a lot of the times we don't realize diet culture is even a thing because we grew up with it. It yeah. just is like a part of what our culture looks like right now. Not saying that, it, you know, it's not like that for men. Of course, there's a whole different spectrum of you need to be masculine all the time and you need to have big muscles. Like there are definitely standards too that apply to men, but, but I think I, I agree with you. They're a little different for women, you know, of yeah. that idea of this is, it's definitely thrown a lot more in your face. I think with guys, the only thing you really get with guys is you need to have that, like you said, masculine. You need to be like the big, bulky, whatever. And it's funny because I'm like, I'm rail thin and I run. And it's like, that's it. Sorry, honey. This is what you ended up with. Like you settled. This is your fault. But I can yeah. I can see that side from, I've had a, a lot of women on the show that kind of, we had this idea of, you know, the show is called Run With Purpose, but it's running your life with purpose and intentionality. So talk to these people that were, runners, but they didn't fit the runner's mold of like what their body should look like or something like that. And a lot of these women that I talked to were like afraid to even get into this because of the way they looked and, and that sort of thing. But continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfectly segueing into what I was just about to say, which was 
we talk about influencers and celebrities and people are looking to look like these people. And we have to acknowledge that we're all unique. We have different bodies. We have metabolisms that respond differently. You know, overall you can support your metabolism in one way, but we're all different. And just because you want to look like Halle Berry, I don't know why she's always my, my example, but she's (laughs) super fit. If you follow her on Instagram, like she's posting all the time, her fitspo or whatever even if you want to look exactly like Halle Berry, like you're just not, you're not going to, because you are you, you are unique. And I try to talk about that as much as I can, because what we should be aiming for instead of looking like specific people, which is what diet culture is telling you to do, you should aim to feel and look your personal best. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be super ripped and It's funny, too, talking about the two different standards for men and women. Often for men, it's bigger, bulkier, more masculine. For women, it's shrink, be smaller, don't talk as much, all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, It's acknowledging how you feel your best. And there are, of course, like the fundamentals, which we'll kind of get into for supporting your health and your metabolism and your body and your mind and your soul and all the things. But it's ultimately you that has to decide what feels best for you and just copying someone's regimen, taking a pill, doing a cleanse because other people said it worked isn't necessarily going to get you the results that you want. You're going to end up more fatigues. You're going to end up with your metabolism being all over the place. So it's just important to acknowledge that, especially when there's so much on social media right now. And and you noted it too, like we're using social media to promote ourselves and our, what we do in our services, but it's, we, we got to use our own kind of common sense and keen eye to recognize when people are trying to sell you something that is subscribing to that diet culture versus education and the foundation for building your own self health health, you know? Yeah. And I think one piece of it, and you, you made mention to it a few times was the idea of these like, quick fixes if and this this is probably a life lesson in so many things if it sounds too good to be true it probably is there are a lot of instances where things happen and it's like oh if i would have done that you know then maybe maybe it could have been but more often than not if something sounds too good to be true it is so when you see these all you have to do is take this pill you know, once a day for whatever and it's just going to solve all your problems and you don't have to change any other habits you're like, no, yeah. do, you, do you really think, <clears throat> what's that guy's name that did the, um, it's not diet, but it's exercise, The uh, that weird elliptical that had like the legs, like he was just. The, yes, I know, know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a full body machine. Yeah. Yes. And then, they, and then they show people that get off of it and it's just like six pack abs and just like, you're like, no, they were doing more than just this 15 minutes a day. Like there's. Uh- there's a, there's a lifestyle change that comes with it. And I think your idea of this holistic approach to not only nutrition itself, but overall health and well-being, that's kind of the thing. It's, it's a full lifestyle change. <clears throat> if yeah, we're going after I, like a specific image or something like that, you're you're kind of limiting yourself because you're saying this is this is this is what I deem as successful. And if I don't get to this point, I'm not successful in whatever I was trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's exactly it. Like even when I tell people what I do and I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm, I focus on nutrition, of course, but you, you can't necessarily just focus on nutrition. It's a wonderful place to start. It's often, 
I, I don't want to use the word easy because it's it's up to you and whatever your lifestyle is and where you're at right now. But it's often the easiest place to kind of take an audit, see what you're eating, provide some training, some education to help make simple shifts. But if you want overall health, there are so many other things that go into it, right? There's That's mostly physical health, right? But there's mental health, emotional health, relational health, existential health, environmental health. Like there are all these other things going on that if you are eating an incredible diet full of whole foods and you're keeping your blood sugar steady throughout the day and you're making sure that you're feeding your muscles when you're working out and all of these things, that's wonderful. But if you're sleeping two hours a night, you're not, you're not going to feel well and you're not going to see the results that you're thinking that you should be getting because when you're not sleeping, it's also slowing your metabolism. So you're not actually getting the benefits from that incredible diet that you have. Right. And diet, I use that word in quotes too, because I'm using that in the sense of what you're eating, not necessarily right. diet culture, like Atkins, keto, whatever. Um, so I like to talk about all of it. And sometimes that turns people off because they're like, oh, I just can't make all of the changes to all the different areas. And, and my kind of discussion that I like to have is like, you know, you, you start with small steps Mm -hmm. and every time you incorporate one small habit, you see how that makes things 2% better. And then you get excited because you're like, Oh my gosh, that was really easy. And I can sustain that now. And I want to add one other little thing, or I want to increase that certain thing to the next level. And then it gets 5% better. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I want to keep going. And so that's kind of the approach I like to take instead of a complete lifestyle overhaul, which is what we're seeing right now during the new year's resolution. People are like, right, I'm cutting out all the carbs, all the sugar. I'm running 18 miles a day. And then I have to sleep 12 hours. Like it's just, right. <laughs> that's, that's a bit extreme and that may work for some people, but for me, kind of the, the approach that I take with my clients and in my group coaching program is, is little steps that will lead to bigger impact in the, in the long run, because you will be able to be more consistent with it. Right. And we talk about this analogy, like when running a marathon, you do it one step at a time. Like yes. if, if I just said, nope, running a marathon and it's like, didn't train, didn't do whatever. You know what? I might be successful, but it's going to suck. I'm reading a book. Uh, oh, it's over there. I can't reach it. It's called never wipe your ass with a squirrel. It's really weird. <laughs> That's an amazing title. Yeah, he, uh, he's, it's a basically an ultra running and trail running guide. And he had talked about that. He's like, yeah, you might, if you're in decent shape, you might finish a race. He goes, but it'll hurt a lot less if you took the steps necessary to get there. And that's the same kind of situation you're talking about here is if we focus on little wins that get us to the big place, it's not like we're bombarding our life and changing who you are as a person and and having to change your entire workflow of things. Like I remember I went, um, uh, I it's pescatarian, but I usually just say I'm Presbyterian because it confuses people. Um, but I, I, we fish maybe once a week, maybe once every other week. But other than that, I'm basically vegetarian. And it's, it was mostly for a, um, I had a friend of mine that was training for a hundred mile run. He learned from someone that actually has, he is vegan because of allergies. So, and he did all this stuff, trained really well, had a great race. So my buddy did the same thing as vegetarian. And I was like, well, shit, like if you're running that well, like I'll try it. Like what's the worst that could happen? And now it's, um, two and a half years in and it's like, I feel better. I, you know, it's like, I still eat like garbage sometimes. Like I could, I could probably eat better. I could probably do better things, but if I wanted to get faster running, I had to make some changes and it was, it wasn't just running changes full circle reason why I'm bringing this up is to your point of like overall health and well-being. nutrition is one part of it. But if you're only focused on nutrition, I'm nutrition, nutrition, I'm focused on my diet, 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 diet. I'm going to get there again, diet, what you're eating, but I don't sleep. 
or I don't take care of like my mental health, especially now, like with everyone being at home and not really seeing people. And I know things are starting to, to kind of open up depending on where you're at listening to this, but there's still that like we sit, I sit here under this LED light and it's like, this is, this is life. And if we don't kind of focus on all aspects of it, I think it's, it just shows that detriment of health is like this one thing isn't going to carry us and make us a happier person. Totally. And I think that's too why, you know, when I created the nourish to flourish framework, like a bulk of the course is about nutrition because going back to diet culture, that's definitely the most confusing thing in addition to exercise, because we are in a state of infobesity, which is just so much information about what you should be eating and how you should be moving your body that it's confusing. Like diet culture is confusing and complicated and it's made that way. It's designed that way. So you're constantly changing and trying different things. So the bulk of the course is about nutrition because it is so complicated that that's like the first thing I want to detangle for you. But then it's so, it was so important to me because a lot of people were just coming to me for, you know, nutrition specifically. I'm like, okay, but we got to also talk about these other things. And they're like, but why? (laughs) And because it all plays in, it interplays, especially when we're talking about metabolism, it, all these, if you are chronically stressed and you have cortisol running through your body all the time, it's shutting off your fat burning hormones. So, and they're like, Oh, like, you know, and it's sometimes you don't see the connections unless, you know, you put it together. And so, yeah, it's important. You can start with, you know, certain habits and that's amazing, but having an overall picture of it too is, is really what's going to make you feel your absolute best. And it's, and two, to your point, like we have shifted the way most of us have lived over the past year we're at home more, specifically talking about movement. We're probably all sitting more. We're not driving to work. And then even even just the little, it's like walking from your car into the office. Like you're not doing that anymore. You're walking into another room if you're lucky or you're walking into the living room. So, and it's, it. I specifically for me, like it's been a big change and I have to, I've had to adjust my habits of like, I have to schedule into my, my literal calendar 10 to 15 minute breaks where I force myself to go outside and I walk around the block. And it's because I'm not moving as much. And if I didn't do that and I didn't, you know, have the little habits and acknowledge that my environment had changed, you know, I wouldn't feel as good as I do. And I'm not saying every day is, you know, peach keen. We're in a, we're in a weird time right now to be talking about health habits, but, you know, acknowledging that, when your environment changes or something changes that you may have to adjust as well. Right. We have to adapt to those circumstances. You know, I, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was just thinking about that the other day is I used to, I took the bus to work. So I'd walk from our apartment to the bus stop and then walk from the bus stop to my office and then, and then walk over lunch and do all this stuff. And now I literally just sit at this desk for 10 hours a day, other than when I walk the dog or, or then my morning runs and stuff like that, other than like the typical working out. But sure. I, I, it's just so easy to sit here because it's like, well, lunch is 10 feet away. And then yeah. I can come back here in the bathroom. We've already talked about it. Is this door right here for everyone yeah. else that didn't, that wasn't listening. But it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of miss the big picture when you're not focusing on the, the changes that are happening because things happen around you. And, and not just from like a diet culture aspect, but things are cyclical. So if you don't 
pay attention to what's happening around you, you can kind of get sucked back into it. You know, whether it's getting sucked back into a diet culture mentality at the beginning of the year, there's there's a reason why gyms and all of these nutrition things are throwing a crazy amount of ads on social media right now. It's because they they know exactly what you're trying to go after. This New Year's resolution, you know, we need to, you need to change yourself. You need to be a new you. My friend Paige, we were literally just talking about this. She doesn't like this like new year, new you. She goes, no, it should just be like the next iteration of you like it shouldn't be a brand new you because then it like negates any work that you just did absolutely i was actually just talking to my partner the other day about this i was like new year new you like what do you what you don't want to become a whole different person like think about all the progress you made in this past year like I don't care how bad of a year it has been there has have been incredible challenges which we don't even need to get into i think we're all aware of what happened Wait, over this is, past year. is something is something going on what? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like we, the fact of the matter is if you're sitting here listening to this podcast, you made it through those challenges. You made it to this point where you were listening to this podcast, whether everything in your mind, which also leads me to another part of the holistic health. If everything in your mind is negative, you still made it to this point. And that is celebration enough to realize that it, you, you, that part of you is still important. So I really don't like the new year, new you thing either, but just to piggyback off of that, we're going in many tangents. A hundred tangents and I'm perfectly fine with all of them. (laughs) Um, is mindset because when we talk about, you know, diet culture, it, it often infiltrates our mindset. And what I mean by that, which this can get a little bit woo woo for some people, but if you have a certain way or a fixed mindset about certain things, you are less likely going to take different, uh, you're less likely to do changes or make different habits because you're not expecting them to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's good. If, and that's kind of where I start too, which I, I think we were going to talk about in a little bit, but I'll dive into now is that, when you want to make changes, the very, very, very first thing I do with anyone that I work with is I sit down and we discover their why. Because when you talk about your why, you will one, uncover the diet culture mentality that has seeped into what you think about your own health. And two, you will get down to the root of why you want to make these health changes. And that's really important because if you are just going, and this is, this is what I see on average. If you're going and you're like, new year, new me, I'm going to change all of my habits. I'm going to do P90X, which for the record, I love, I'm going to do P90X. I'm going to do it every single day. And I'm going to cut out all these different things from my diet because that is what will make me healthy that is not a good why, because that is where you go really whole hog into all of these changes. It's super hard. You have intense cravings. You're super sore. You don't know how much water you're supposed to be drinking because all of your movement has changed and you're sweating so much. It's, it gets to a point where you're like, this is ridiculous. And then third week of January, you're like, I don't, I can't even get out of bed. I don't want to do this anymore. Who wants to live their life like this? All these influencers on Instagram are crazy, like whatever. And it drops off and you don't have a why to remind you of why you're even doing that. Right. You don't have a strong enough why to hold you to it. So I like to start in that place because if someone's like, 
I want to lose weight. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, I feel like I should. And then I'm like, well, let's talk about that. Is it because you think you need to look like someone else? Or is it because you think that if you lose excess weight, then you will be able to uh, be more mobile and be able to play with your grandchildren more. And you'll be able to get up and down off the ground easier when you're going to play with them. And we talk about that. And when you dive deeper into the why you're making changes and you write it down with a pencil and paper with your hand, when it gets hard and you're doing a program that's actually sustainable for you to do, when it gets hard, you have that why and you you can look back at it and be like, that's that's my goal. Yep. That's that's why I want to be doing this. And it's so much stronger to know where that's coming from than just being like diet culture told me to, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. That. I swear, I don't know how I didn't find you before with all this talk, but that like why that's my like number one thing is why it's getting comfortable with discomfort and knowing your why. Those are like my two. That's what I live by, because when you're writing goals of of any sort, if you don't know why you're doing something, like you said, you're you're never going to get there. Like, how do you define it then? Because because defining your why will help define the success. Because the why, it's like hey. To, to your example, I want to be able to play with my grandkids more. Okay, that that's your why. Now, if you can get to a point where you're doing that, all right, checkbox. Now, we've we've succeeded in the goal we were trying to make. Where if the why is, well, because I think I need to, and you're like, how do you measure that? And I think that's right. that's the hard thing is you need to have like a measurable why. Pounds on a scale is not measurable. Well, that's a bad. It is technically measurable because it's a scale, smart asses. I already, I already hear the people already talking as I'm <laughs> saying this. But it, the idea, if you're working for a number, because I remember my wife was dealing with this and she doesn't listen, so I can just talk about it. But she was, she was so worried about like the numbers going down on scales. And she was, she was losing weight and she was toning, she was getting fit and we we're eating healthier and we we're doing these things. And, and she still felt like she wasn't. But then every single person that saw her was just like, oh my God, you look amazing. And she, but she was so stuck on every time she went to her yearly or whatever and got her and was weighed. She's just like, no, I'm still at this or I'm still at whatever. And I'm just like, you need to look big picture here. And, and you know, finally it's, it's turning around where she doesn't have that anymore. And I don't even think it was like a, a, I need to look like someone else. She just had this own, like, which a lot of people do. They have like this own number in their head. If I can only yeah. do this, then I can get to that point. But Kind of to, to shift back into the to the diet culture since that's the title of this episode. Sorry, people. Um, I still it's all great conversation though. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely get into more of the uh, how we can do things better. But what other than like the very obvious of it's not necessarily it's not going to get you where you want to. What are some issues that we see in diet culture? Like because I can think of just like of we brought up like Atkins diet, keto diet. Uh, was a paleo diet. There's a, there's a couple other like weird things like that. What, what Carnivore kind of, diet. what? <laughs> Carnivore diet. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what do you get? Like, how can that mess with people? And I'm not even talking, maybe not even from like a physical standpoint, but what issues do we see from like a mental or psychological standpoint that these things are actually having on the general population? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing mentally is that all of these diets, whatever they are. Now, I want to definitely preface with if you have actual medical issues and you need to follow a certain diet prescribed by your doctor, 
wonderful. We're not talking about those Disclaimer cases. here, do not Disclaimer sue us. Here, if you have to cut out foods because they are detrimental to your health, please do that. And listen to your doctor, like first and foremost, I feel like maybe we should have said this at the top. Yeah. Talk to your doctor if you have any questions about anything. But um, for the general population, these diets are restrictive, period. That's what it is. It's cutting out all the carbs. It's limiting your fat. It's only eating fat and eating no carbs. It's cutting out all the meat. It's cutting out dairy. Whatever it is, these are structured in order to be super restrictive and have super strict guidelines. Now, the problem with that is that generally people Monday through Friday are great with that. They have routines that happen every single day. They wake up, they do whatever they do in the morning. They go to work. They do their working things. They have their lunch. They have a break, whatever. They come home. They have dinner. They watch TV. They work out. Whatever it is. You have a very structured time, generally, Monday to Friday. Unless you're a shift worker, which that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But when it comes to the weekend, you've had so much stress during the week, especially right now during a challenging year, just like trying to be a human and then add on that like work and kids and whatever, that you feel the need to quote unquote like let loose. And the easiest way to do that is to eat whatever the heck you want. So this is the number one problem because diets are so restrictive that they set you up to feel guilt when you don't want to follow them anymore. So you get to the end of the week or you get to Friday or whatever it is. And you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to, two things can happen. One, I'm just not going to do it. And I'm going to eat whatever the heck it is that I want to eat. Or two, I have such intense cravings because I took such drastic changes that I, I feel so bad about it, but I'm going to do it anyways, because these cravings are driving me crazy. And I guarantee at the end of that meal, you are going to feel this immense guilt. And this is the cycle that I like to talk about because we have to get out of this. We have to get out of the, I have to do this for the reason of diet culture. And then I restrict, restrict, restrict really intensely, probably drastically, probably cold Turkey on a lot of things. And then you eat whatever it is that they've told you that you cannot eat. And then guilt, Mm -hmm. shame, like intense negative self-talk. And it's a circle that is so detrimental to your mental health because even just having a moment of that guilt over a food that you're putting in your body one time, it's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve you. And that's my main problem with diets is that it promotes this cycle because they want you to keep coming back for more. They want you to keep buying products. They want to upsell you on something else that can actually help you stick to it, whatever it is. And if you just lead your life by understanding how food fuels your body, understanding how your metabolism works, understanding the difference between whole foods and processed foods, you can make the own in, your own informed decisions about it and you can incorporate foods that you really love that maybe isn't the most nutritious. I say n- food for nutrition and food for your soul because there's purpose of food in both areas and you will negate, I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of the time that guilt that you feel for eating something. And if you can stop that cycle and you can say, you know, Friday night, I'm going to have pizza and wine and you don't spiral into this negative self-talk about it. And you wake up Saturday morning and you go back to eating your balanced plate of nutrients. Like you, 
you set yourself up for being more consistent about healthy habits instead of being so down on yourself all the time. That is my main issue with where you can go mentally with dieting. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really good. I just took way too many notes. Um, but (laughs) that idea of, and you really think about it, like all of these diets, they don't tell you what you can have. They tell you what you can't have. Yes. And they're all that of a, Oh, I'm on this diet. Oh, what's that mean? Oh, it means I can't have this, 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 and this. And that's how people, that's how the information is led. That's how people are led. Or it's the, oh, I can have all of this that I want, but I can't have all of these. So it's like, you know, it gives us that, that back and forth, but that idea of guilt, I think that that'll hit hard in for your mental state because you're, you're like, all right, I failed. And now I need to start over. Or it's like, you know, that was just too hard. You talk about that cold turkey. A lot of people try to do things that way. And it's like, no, you have to ease your way into it. Your body is not designed to just flip a switch. And now all of a sudden you're doing something else. When I switched my diet, we, we cut out, um, pork first. And then I went to red meat and then chicken was the hardest. Cause I'm half, or I'm quarter Puerto Rican. So like it was chicken, rice and beans and chicken, like the in my entire life. So yeah. it's just like, I needed to figure out a way to get away from chicken a little bit. And it's like, all right, then we start using substitutes, cauliflower instead of things, you know, just add more vegetables to things and you eventually get there. But if I would have just been like today, done, not happening, no more meat for me. Like my body would have shut down, you know, running oh, yeah. 30 to 45 miles a week. I needed those and not having, not having a good plan of how to attack it. That's probably the other piece of it going things cold turkey, but not having the right plan because some of these things maybe inherently have some good nutritional aspects of it, but the way they're designed to your point is to be very restrictive and then to have you keep buying things. You had a, I think it was a story or it may have been a post. You were doing the how bizarre thing where it was just like, Hey, I've tried all these things. And then it's just like, and then this is what diet culture saying. You're like, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Cause they're like, Oh, how did we, we didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it's literally set up like that. And the more that I have these conversations with people, they're like, Oh, like you mean that some companies like aren't truly trying to help you have sustainable health. They just want to sell you things. And I'm like, yes, which is, it's hard to accept because there are people, nutritionists, nutrition coaches, you know, doctors, naturopaths, whatever, who are really trying to help you. So it's hard to discern what, what people are trying to sell you. You know what I mean? So you you have to have a, a, I don't know, a keen eye and an understanding and recognizing. And I think recognizing what the diet culture is and being able to, I, I, the first step I say in like kind of resisting the diet culture is just you yourself notice when it's happening, just notice, notice the language that you're seeing and be like, huh, I don't think their intention is to help me with sustainable long-term health because of this and that, you know? So it's, it's hard and I, and it's especially prevalent in our country. So it, it will take some time, I think, before we're all on board of like not selling things to people just because of quick fixes and because you want to make money. And, and that's why I really started doing this because I was like, is there another, do we need another person in this world that's really telling people how to like better their health? But then I'm like, no, I really, I'm so passionate about getting women out of this cycle. We have to get out of this cycle. We have to do it because you can feel good and you can still eat foods that you 
want to eat and you don't have to hate the exercise that you're doing. If you don't like a certain thing, we can find another thing, you know, like you should move your body and, you know, we can talk about that, but I'm so passionate that we can get to a place that is not driven by diet culture, but by sustainable long-term health to help. And ultimately the goal is so that you feel good in your own skin, whatever that looks like. And so you can show up for the people in your life. You're better around your family. You're better for your peers at work. You're better for your community. You, whatever it is, like if you don't feel your best, you can't show up as your best. That's really the goal, you know? Yeah. And I think it's interesting from the, and I just lost it. Of course I did. Um, Oh, Oh, come back. (laughs) I I gotta get it. I gotta get it. This idea of, um, shit. I had it. It was right there. And then I started talking and Bella started growling and then I lost it. Um, I don't know. It'll come back to me eventually. One other thing I want to touch on maybe in this jogging memory, but you hit on something too, that I actually spoke on my Instagram about right around the new year is reframing the way that you're setting new year's resolutions. If new year's resolutions really work for you, fantastic. But I want to talk about the language that we're using when we make new year's resolutions. And by the way, you can set new goals at any time during the year. So this applies to whenever you're making a goal. You you can't just do them on January 1st. I know it's crazy. You can write, you can make a new goal whenever you want. I am giving you permission right now. whenever you want. Yeah. But, um, is to look at the language that you're using and to the best of your ability, take negative language out and replace it with positive language. So like you said, a lot of these diets are telling you, you can't have this. You can't have that. Like what diet do you want? Oh, you're on like paleo. That's no carbs. Like whatever it is, paleo, I meant to say keto anyways, not important. Um, try to position it in a positive way. So, say, you know, I want, I, I'm aiming to add more vegetables to every meal. So when you're doing that, if you're actually practicing those habits and you're adding more vegetables, they're probably going to weed out some of the other things that are on your plate that you don't necessarily want to consume as much just by the nature of adding something. So if we can focus more on adding things to our plates, to our bodies, to our environments, whatever it is, if we can focus on adding it likely is going to push out the things that we don't want. And that's really also getting back to the why and your priorities of like, what do you want to fill your life with so you can feel your best? You want to add those things in and naturally those other things that aren't priorities or aren't as important will, will filter out. Yeah. It's that idea of, I like that reframing of like, you're focusing on adding, not what you're removing because the, yes. the removing is the negative aspect of it. It's like, I'm, I'm losing, I'm missing out on it's, you know, it's the FOMO, if you will, I'm missing out on all of these things that I had that I just, I absolutely needed. Whereas now it's like, no, I'm adding to this. I'm adding more things, you know, to, that are going to improve my life in, in many different ways, all my health and well being just across the board. Um, Still don't remember what I was going to think of, but um, it might come back to me eventually. So we obviously, we talked about the issues kind of from a mental aspect of how diet culture can kind of mess with your head and kind of your, your image of yourself or the image of what, what is right and what is wrong as far as our diets are concerned. How can we, 
how can we help change the script on that? Other than it's, it seems from like an outsider standpoint, I know absolutely nothing about nutrition. I, I probably should know more about it being a runner and like doing it, but like I'm always jumping to not the next like diet culture kind of thing, but like if I read another article from Runner's World that says, oh, you know what you need to eat before your run, you need to eat these 15 things I've never heard of. You know, I was like, ah, I'll try it, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about it. So how can we kind of change that script that we can... I don't know, be more aware of it. And I remembered what I was going to talk about. Oh, <laughs> I knew it was going to come back. <laughs> I was like, it, it's all, it's all diet culture at all things. So we have this idea is like, and I'll get back to that other thing. I should okay. write it down. Okay. But it'll be fine. The, uh, actually, no, we'll go, we'll go there. I'll write down what I was going to say. So okay. then I can remember. So how do we kind of change the script that not even from like a, how can, the industry, because the industry is not going to do it. The industry is going to go where money goes. If, if there's money to be made in these, this diet culture thing, that's where it's going to go. How can people, how can these uh, my listeners kind of get the proper information so they know what's right? Like you said, there's so much information out there. You know, it's how, how can I know I can trust Katie and what she's saying? And she's just not like, hey, I want you to, to sign up for my course and I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff because it's, it's what I believe, but it's not actual kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, you touched on so many things that just make me Sorry. like, ah, um, no, it's great. It's perfect. I mean, I, it kind of, so I think the first step there is just having an awareness of diet culture, which we kind of talked about already is um, now that we know what it is, notice the language that's being used. Um, and I think that is a flag there on its own. So before you start anything, if it has things that's like, my favorite is weight loss teas, <laughs> what <laughs> like what or like gummy bears for hair health i'm just like wow there's oh my what? god it's just right. there's like gummy there's like these little gummy bears i don't know what they're called exactly but they're like little supplements that you take for your hair but they, they're like these sugary little gummy bears i don't oh. know um or if there's something that says um detox is a word that people like mm. to use a lot and you know from certain perspectives, if you're trying to detox from, say, processed foods and sugar in the like scientific term of your body detoxing, like that will happen if you start to add in more whole foods. And but anything that's like marketed as a detox, I would look at that very carefully. Now, if it's like, here's a plan for how you can eat less processed sugar and it's marketed as a detox. OK, if it's a credible person, like you said, like we're talking about actual doctors, we're talking about naturopaths, we're talking about nutritionists, registered dietitians, or anyone who has a certification for nutrition coaching specifically, then yes, talk to them about it. Don't just buy into it right away. I think that's a good step to investigate everything before you just click buy. Right. And so if it's something that's like a juice detox, or a juice cleanse where all you do is drink juice for seven to 30 days. I don't know how crazy they're getting nowadays. Um, I would look at that with a keen eye and, and, you know, ask the questions, is that sustainable? Is this backed by research that I trust is, and I would almost say to a certain point, rely on the source of information itself self versus like 
influencers or, yeah. um, and I say that carefully because I did used to work in an agency space where we worked with influencers and we had a very strict way of the way we worked with them and the types of products that they promoted. And so I'm not saying all influencers are bad by any mean, like let's say that (laughs) there are wonderful people who are, are trying to promote products and brands that they really believe in then and that they think are helping people. But, you know, just do your, do your research, do your own research, look at who it is, look at their intention. I would go as far as to like, look on the website, look at their mission, look at how they are running their business. Like it takes an extra step. And I think that's the step we all need to take instead of being like, I'm going to, Oh, weight loss tea, click buy. Like let's slow down, (laughs) take a look at the brand, take a look at whoever helped him develop it. Like, and, and really think about it in terms of your life. Like, is it sustainable? Is it, is it supporting your why? Is it, you know, I feel like slowing down and thinking about diet culture and the language, and then thinking about what holistic health benefits you can get from it is really the, is the way to kind of flip your own script. And then secondly, it's having conversations like this, like the more we can talk about what we're seeing and the more we can have conversations with other people about what we're seeing, the more likely it is that we're all going to be like, are people still taking those weight loss teas? Like, isn't that funny that like we all used to do that? I mean, like, you know, yeah. we all, we all, I didn't, but people, uh, people used to smoke everywhere. That yeah. was normal. Like that's, and I feel like my hope is that we'll get to a point someday when it was like, remember when we used to go on all those crazy diets? Like we used to do these crazy diets. We used to drink juice forever. And like, and you know, I think we'll get there and it'll be like, oh, well, we all just eat like, whole foods, balanced plates. Sometimes we eat pizza. Sometimes we have ice cream. And like some days, you know, like I, you know, and I feel like we're going to be in a much more balanced place, but yeah, like continuing to talk about it and having a really discerned eye so you can make informed decisions for yourself is really the way to kind of flip that script. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the smoking thing is an interesting one because it's, you talk to, uh, I'm 33. I'm 33 and I talk to people that like at, at my office that are in like straight out of college and we, we, I bring up to other people around my age about like remembering when there were smoking and non-smoking sections in restaurants and they're like, whoa, 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 you could smoke inside the restaurant. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And some restaurants didn't have a specific section. Like there was just an ashtray on everyone's table and that's just what it was. Yeah. I think the most horrifying one to me is planes. Like you could oh, just yeah. smoke and then it was just like, whoo. I'm so glad we don't (laughs) live in that world anymore. But yeah, and also to that point, like, I mean, smoking is a really great example because there were doctors or actual doctors, doctors in quotes, doctors out of quotes, who were promoting smoking, which is just like, that's again, you know, you've got to have your own, your own filter and your own way of deciding who is going to benefit you. It's, and so I think that also goes beyond, and this is really the way I practice too, is sure. I'm, I'm talking every day on Instagram. I'm doing mini trainings. I'm, I'm talking to people in the DMS, but I don't, I don't want to work with anyone unless we've had a conversation. Like I have to, we have to have a conversation. So they know me, they know my approach. They know my, 
my values, the, they know my intentions <laughs> and, and vice versa. I know what their concerns are. I know what their goals are. And so ha- being able to have that dialogue makes both of us feel really good in the decision when we decide to, to work together. And I, if we can try to replicate that, you know, in other ways, when we're making choices about health habits and products that are going to benefit us, if we can try to simulate that in some sort of way, even I think that would benefit people a lot. Yeah, the idea of, of building that rapport so you can get behind the why. It's you know, yeah. they know your why in it as well. Yeah. They they and it's not that battle of they don't have to worry about are you trying to get something out from underneath them. It's where, hey, we're clear, this is in the open, we know exactly what's happening here. Um, yeah, I think that that's really important. So my point that I was remembering. Yes. <laughs> so I just curious on your thoughts of uh, in the U.S., we're obviously the most obese country in the world, and we have most like health problems due to said type of issues. How do you think we could, and I know this is a very loaded question, but <laughs> how do we get to the point where we, you don't see these kinds of diet cultures and these kinds of things in other countries. You don't see these kinds of Shaming. It's not like everybody everywhere else is thin, but you don't see these kinds of shaming or, um, you know, talking about for like a women aspect, stuff like that. I was in Australia and it's like everywhere you look, like magazines and stuff like that, you see women that would not be on magazines in the US. They'd be on US Weekly or whatever those other like um, horrible ones are at the grocery store and stuff like that. But (laughs) yeah, how do you, how can we get to that point where, we uh, we don't kind of one have that that shame issue, but I think more importantly is from the health aspect is how do we get to the point where we make the general public know or be able to make changes that you know processed foods aren't good for you. These things like there's certain things that we've just kind of made an industry out of that have just yeah. been kind of causing most of the problems. Like when you look at like the big producers of pro, pro, uh, of processed meats and that sort of thing, it's like, do you realize how much they own? They're basically Disney. And it's yeah. like, no matter what, they, they own every single part of the supply chain. And there's a reason why you can't get into it. And it's a reason why if you want to get decent eggs at a grocery store, they're going to cost you $7 for a dozen because there's no, the, the, the barrier to entry that market is ridiculous. So, Guess twofold question. Yes. Two. How can you change the world or how can you change the U.S.? Just how do we change the whole world? Yeah, how do you change the country and how we're doing things? But probably more importantly, what are the small things that we could do in our everyday lives to kind of help, help um, push that agenda of, hey, we're not cool with this. The smoking thing is a prime example of it. Yeah. Smoking was an issue people realize like, oh, these doctors are full of shit. Like what's going on here? We need to make a change. And, you know, over time things happen and a change was made. So what are those daily, weekly steps that we can make to kind of make that known? Yeah. Starting with the first question, which is the biggest loaded question, because as you pointed out, I mean, the way our food system is set up right now is absolutely backwards to what is going to be supporting our health just to put it bluntly like it is 
it is such a problem that it's it's part of my work that I'm doing now is figuring out ways to help support organizations that are trying to go back to more, you know, less factory farming, less money into these huge, you know, these huge companies that are really influencing the way that we can access our food right now. It's, it's a huge problem. It's a, it's a huge factor in the way that people are able to access food and make life story style choices. You know, we'll get to what you can do on the individual scale, but when we get down to it, like not everyone has access to the same foods in this country. Like that is a fact. And depending on your income, you don't necessarily have as many options if income isn't a, a restrictor for you. So, you know, I could tell you like, go to the store, buy all organic produce, like buy this, this, that, and the other. But the reason that we have such a problem, one of the reasons anyways, is that these processed foods, this fast food has become so cheap because of all the money that we've put into producing this type of food, that that is the food that is most readily available and is accessible by a lot of our country right now. And that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. It's one that's going to take time to fix for sure. It's one that is unfortunately a lot of people you know especially in this climate right now there's a lot of political issues but it is a political issue it is something that we need to support the right lobbyists in order to make changes in the way that our agriculture is in the way that our food supply is and the way that oh see i told you lance he was gonna come in meow at some point during this interview um there he is i'm not gonna let him in but he can sit there and meow all he wants um back to my point um you know, it's going to take some time. And I think in that sense, it's such a large issue. And sometimes you can feel helpless. But what you can do is start to research on your own. I mean, even just being aware of how our food industry operates is a wonderful place to start. Because like you said, I mean, I would I would probably say that a lot of people don't even know what factory farming is. Like, what is factory farming? Why do we have it in our country? Like, what does it mean when a cow is on a factory farm versus, you know, on a a local farm that's like free range or grass fed or whatever it is? Like, a lot of that, you know, comes naturally to me because I've spent years and years researching it and studying it. But it's taking a step back and taking personal responsibility to understand where your food comes from is really important. It's, it's really important. And if you have the means to buy local, to really know the source of where your food is coming from, like we've gotten so in the habit of going to the grocery store and our food comes from the grocery store and we bring it home. Like, where'd you get your food? Well, it's from the grocery store. Like, it's from the whatever big name grocery store. That's where it is. There is so much that goes into that before it gets there that if you understand, you might be shocked to understand the meat that you're eating is full of antibiotics. It ha- it's been cows that are lined up like side by side by side with no room to roam that causes these incredible, you know, terrible things happening in their body. So they're injected with antibiotics. And I say this with a a grain of salt because a lot of the media that talks about these issues 
is very sensational and that turns a lot of people off. It can actually do the opposite effect of what I think we want. It, it's that very, again, negative mindset and like, oh my God, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. If we just took a, a less sensational and a, just more objective, like this is, this is what's happening. This is what it does to your health then maybe we can start to digest it more and really take some more action. And that's why, you know, when people tell me like, should I watch food Inc or whatever it is, you know, like, of course, watch them. It's important. It's important to understand, but also do your own research as well. And, and really start there because there are a lot of issues, but unless you know where you want to get involved, (laughs) where you want to put money, if you have money, it, then it's it's hard. It seems like such a big issue as we're talking about, right? So yeah. there's a lot there, and if you if you try to take the entire picture, it goes back to our diet culture, our overall what? health. If we don't if we don't focus on the individual pieces, if we try to just focus on the big picture of health and well being as this, this like big overarching thing, we're going to fail. And I think Absolutely. yeah, I agree. It's in the same thing as finding finding your your place in that. And the, the real reason I bring that question up is. A couple weeks ago, we had a buddy of mine and his family uh, friends basically put together this like hunting collective, basically an influencer for hunting equipment and stuff like that. And their whole thing is they, they basically only eat what they hunt. So like if they go out and they hunt deer, he's like, they just process like, I think it was like 180 or 200 like deer burgers or something like that for the year. And then they, they work with a local farm and get a cow. And then that's basically their beef for the year. And it's like, it was one of those, he brought up a good point talking about like, cause we, the whole joke was it's a vegetarian and four hunters on an episode. Like it was just a very weird <laughs> kind of concept, but he's like, you think about it, like what I'm doing is more sustainable than, than some of these other kind of things, because you can have this, you know, factory farming kind of thing, even on that side of where we're destroying, um, uh, how is it destroying the environment to put more fields of soy, or things like this. And you're like, wait a second, like that's not helping the problem. You know, just because Burger King now has an impossible Whopper doesn't mean you should go to Burger King and get the impossible Whopper. Right. And I think that goes like, then that, that's the whole full circle of the gambit is when things aren't, we're not setting ourselves up for sustainability in that food thing. We are going to run out of animals if we keep doing it the way we're doing it because they're going to die off because again, the antibiotics, the, the situations are doing all this stuff there's all of these issues that it's not going to be sustainable and then things are going to get more expensive. To your point, my, my grocery bill should not have gone up because I stopped eating meat. Right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't and, make sense. And that's, yeah. And a lot of it does have to do with how much money these, these companies are making. And, you know, you asked on the small level, I mean, it, let's just say that you have, the resources available to you to make decisions about what food you are and are not going to eat that day. Like try to eat, try to eat local to do any, do any of us and that myself included, cause I'm still doing my own research. Do any of us know the farms that are in our own state? Like, do we know them by name? Like, do we know what they produce? Do we know what, you know, produce is in season that maybe would be like the most beneficial to like buy the thing that's in season that you it's all came 10 miles away from you. Like, there's so many different things that we can do to start making changes. And I guess my, my best recommendation other than doing your own research 
and understanding how you can apply it to your own life with your own means that you have right now is to not get overwhelmed because oftentimes when there are too many choices, and this is across the board for anything, if you have too many choices in front of you, you are likely to make none of the choices. That That's just statistics. You're not going to make any of the choices if you don't, ha- if you just have way too many in front of you. So whether it's supporting local farms, if it's looking about the sustainability of where your food is coming from, if it's looking at what brands you support and if they support companies that are doing the types of farming practices that are not in alignment with your values, choose one thing to start with, do your research there and go from there. Like it doesn't, it's the same with, you know, starting a whole different diet regimen. Like there's so much to be tackled and the best we can do is start with education and understanding where our food comes from and going from there by making, you know, changes after, after that. Yeah. I think that's a good nail in the coffin right there. I say, yeah. I say we talked about, I'm definitely going to have to have you back on the show. We're going to talk about mental health. There's, I, there's so many things I want to pick your brain about, but obviously I'm not Joe Rogan and I can't talk for four hours. So. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great though. Thank you so much. This like went in so many different, different areas. And it, to your point, yeah, we could talk all day about the different, we got six different areas of health we could talk about. That's and, and that sounds like six episodes then. That's what I oh, yeah. I love it. Yes. Let's make it a series. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on the show, but how can people get in touch with you? Social media, website, what's the best way of getting in contact with you? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at katie.vanloo. Um, I'm on there pretty much the most out of any platform. I'm on there every day. I do free mini trainings. Um, all of the posts on there are pretty much educational. So if you want quick bits and bites, you can do it that way. Or if you want to learn more about one-on-one coaching with me, or if you want to learn about the flourish to fr- whoa, nourish to flourish framework. When you say that fast, it gets, it's a lot of words. The nourish to flourish <laughs> framework course that I'm running. Um, you can go to my website, which is just Um, And we can start a conversation, a real conversation between you and me. Um, and there's a free training on there as well about how to support your metabolism with food. And yeah, I'm just, I'm here to help. That's really what I'm here for. So come to me with your questions. If anything today, you know, piqued your interest and you want to know more, I, I am here to chat and yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was like so fun for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> like, to have you. And, and all of those links we'll have in the show notes, everyone. So you'll be able to, to jot those down. Don't be trying to write them down while you're driving. Not safe. Um, but yeah, we'll have all of those notes on there. We're definitely going to have Katie back on the show another time because awesome conversation and I'm super excited. Yeah. Thank you so much. Perfect. So to everyone else, you can reach out to me on all the socials everywhere at Flores run again subscribe leave a review for the podcast if you want to you know if you want katie back on the show you have to let me know like i want her back but like if you guys don't that's a problem i'll just talk to her anyways we'll just set up zoom conversations and we'll just talk not even not even on air just just having a conversation but um you guys can visit my website at www.flores.run uh one thing i meant to mention last week and i didn't uh hangry is on and live hangry launched at the beginning of the year uh, you can go to wearehangry.com see all the stuff we're doing to make a difference in our community for those living with the issue of hunger we have a, a t-shirt store um, you can buy stuff that's from qualified apparel and stuff but yeah thank you so much for joining me today remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time we'll see you guys next week